I'm a, a bloke who is based in Cape Town, South Africa, who has effectively um, alienated himself from the cycling world because I protest that the glorification and the and advocating a high carbohydrate diet is not only um, unnecessary but inherently unhealthy. Um, so much so, I under, undertook um, the mantle to showcase what you can do um, on a low carb, high fat diet. Um, in fact, so much so, I've done what has previously been deemed as impossible. I I managed to do, but uh, more so, I helped other people accomplish the same the same things, sh showing that it's not just isolated to me, but one can happily perform at an adequate, if not a high level, on a low carb, if no carb, um, diet. Um, and not only don't you have to refuel, uh, but if you sh should refuel, it's it's very minimal. All the requirements are are, are very minimal. Um, and, uh, I think subsequent to that, um, when I'm not getting shadow banned, um, my, my message gets out there. Uh, people do, um, are, are inquisitive. Those people, and they, they are people inquisitive and, and, and they like to defend what I can, what I, what I think is very much an addiction. High, high carbohydrate, a dependency on, on high carbohydrates is, is more an addiction than a necessity. Uh, you are, uh, effectively feeding your addiction, you are being, um, you are part of the, the mechanism to keep big, big, uh, big, the big food industry and big pharma uh, in business. Um, a lot of people like to um, put, put that down to conspiracy, but um, hey, tell me I'm wrong. You know, yeah, stay on a high carb diet, see how you function without eating five times a day. You know, if you aren't irritable or grumpy. You know, if you're on a high carb diet, see if you can go and ride um, for a hard for one hour without consuming anything. Um, even after that hour, to see see if you can carry on going. Um, you know, and uh, and if you can, well, you want a very very few. Obviously, your physiology is is really it's really unique. Um, and if you can't, you're just basically proving me right because um, you know. Um, Big Pharma isn't a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar business from healthy people. And the big food industry is not a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry from people who are in good shape, in, you know, with, within the uh, healthy weight. Um, you no, know, that's not the case. Uh, that's why um, over 43% of adult Americans are not overweight, but obese. So, um, I'm basically trying to bring about, um, I wouldn't say change, but more so uh, freedom of thought and to think out the box. Don't be so confined into being sheep. Sheep are for food and wool. Um, you're not a sheep. You are a human being with a brain. Unfortunately, that is also under attack as well with AI. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been interesting times. Um, 
definitely interesting times. I hope that's a great introduction. Yeah, that was a great intro. I have a lot of um, a lot of comments and questions is based off of the intro. So maybe we should just start with that. We'll kind of throw our um, our notes aside for a second and, and jump yeah. into it because it's interesting. Like as you mentioned, like the high carbohydrate, like not necessarily a fad, but addiction that people have. And I think you're definitely a lot lower carb than me, and I'm definitely not anti. But I think carbs can be can be useful in some ways. But at the same time, I definitely get the the zero carb or very low carb approach because it does work and I've seen the benefits there's carbs, from it. There's carbs in here, just by the way. Um, I don't do that frequently. It's just, just as I said, it's the tweak juice. And I'm just being, I don't hold back. I just let rip tonight. Um, but yeah, yeah let, let it rip. Yeah. So carry on with the question because I, I, I'll, I'll try not to interrupt you again. Oh, no, no, you're, you're totally fine. Like, I, I guess I have like a pretty wide, wide view of like, I don't know, just diet in general because. Like I've seen like you, for example, you just excel on a very low carbohydrate diet, like Zach Bitter, Jeff Browning, all these guys. And I think there's obviously runners that um, are, that I know of that are doing this and like they're getting older and they're still performing extremely well. Then you see people that are either vegan or just extremely high carb athletes when they're young, say in their twenties, and then they just start to fall apart after a while. Like your body can only handle so much. Like when you're running on jet fuel, essentially all the time, like your body's going to break down. And it's it's pretty fascinating. You see people that are like in their fifties and that have followed a lower carb carbohydrate, like higher fat, protein, animal like animal based diet approach. And they just seem to have more longevity. And that's just very anecdotal. Like I'm not speaking off of studies or anything, but it's interesting though to see that and to see how you're performing so well. Like you're you're not young, you're not old necessarily, but like you're out there just crushing every day on your bike and it's it's really cool to see, I guess, that you can do that. Um, just a correction. So I'm, I'm, I've, 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 I had two operations um, uh, over the course from um, August, and I think in, again in uh, September or October. I can't remember exactly when. Um, and the, the the operation was to alleviate um, an initial bursitis, just to to remove that by draining out the few, the, the, the fluid. So. Um, <coughs> I'm coming back from from injury, and of course, I had I had uh, screws and a plate removed out of my clavicle uh, over that period, which was very much planned because of the recovery time. Um, so I'm not I'm not doing the volume that I used to do, uh, but I, I can say the reason why I had the first operation was from uh, an injury that was from over usage and from basically riding too much. Um, I was doing incredible amounts of, of, of distance and time, uh, and uh, I did it. I I, I increased it at a, at a rapid rate, um, and I think a little bit too fast, too soon. And I think in the height of what I was trying to achieve and accomplish, I, I created this injury and effectively rode for a year <clears throat> with a with an injury which I, I refused to accept. Um, Unfortunately, now I have to really slow down. Um, and I spent a week at the, the gym last week, um, first time in 23 years, um, smashing the weights, which I kind of enjoyed. But I, I put on, a, a, in just a short space of time, I mean, sitting in my jeans right now, I, I know that I've been I've put on muscle mass, which is, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, so... Um, at 51, um, I'm still performing uh, 
my partner, I put my, the speed that I'm accomplishing on the bike uh, myself. Uh, even even in my unfit state, uh, I, I pass people. I don't uh, people don't pass me, um, and so I'm still I'm still managing to perform at, at a at a high at a high rate of knots. Um, and yes, I I don't consume uh, carbohydrates. Um, yeah, probably even I don't consume as many carbohydrates as I would if I was ketogenic. Because um, I think just a little little over a year now, I've been doing essentially a carnivore carnivore diet, diets, a tea with a, some red wine, but um, and there's a little bit of chili that I put in my in my in my, in my meat and, and eggs. Um, but uh, effectively, the amount of carbohydrate that I'm having now versus what I did when I was a ketogenic, was ketogenic um, is is is, a, is greatly reduced. Um, why am I? Um, why I've adopted a, a carnivore diet? I'm not. Um, I'm not one to say, oh, this is the only way. It's the way forward. You've got to. You've got to be carnivore. Um, likewise, for um, you know, I do. I, I have been guilty of, of saying, oh, ketogenic, and yes, I do. I do attack the the high carb world, but you know, you're not going to get noticed if you don't make a noise. So um, it's my it's my um, it's my job to be noticed, so I can change one person going forward. So um, with regards to the carnivore diet, for me personally, um, the most, the, and this is genuinely the real reason why I'm carnivore is because I shit better. Um, I don't spend hours on the toilet like I used to. I used to download a movie of Netflix, and make sure my iPad was charged and have to go and, you know, and, and two hours later I would, uh, I would emerge out of the toilet. Um, so that doesn't happen. In fact, um, of of late, I I am astounded that uh, shit takes less than a piss um, for me, uh, and the amount of cleaning up is is insane. It's absolutely insane. Am I regular? Yeah, I'm, I'm going once a day, um, which which I can tell you. And there's no bloatedness, um, and I'm fascinated by that. I'm absolutely fascinated because. The amount of my of, of fiber in my diet is, if I mean, there's some fiber in the chili that I might eat, um, but there is no fiber. But yet I am as regular as clockwork, and I battled all of my life up until when I became ready for carnival. Sure, when I was when I was uh, I was I've been keto technically for 12 years, going on 13. But even when I had um, broccoli, English cucumber, uh, nuts, I would fart all the bloody time and be like, oh, oh shit, you know? And uh, um, that doesn't happen. I mean, sure, occasionally there's a little bit of a, or something like that, but maybe once a week, you know? And uh, um, I find that absolutely remarkable because the mainstream thought, is like if you want to be regular, you've got to have fiber. If you want to don't, if you know, if you don't want to have bowel cancer, you've got to have fiber. Really? I mustn't. I probably am not from this planet because when I have fiber, the opposite happens. So what's what is the deal over here? Which brings me back to the point: it works for me. It may not work for somebody else, but that also qualifies what I'm saying. Western medicine, the mainstream has clumped everyone under one umbrella. 
because we have a bowel movement that we have made it made it almost like taboo to discuss when you poop or not. Okay. People literally live in embarrassment because they go they go down they they're in a, a group of people they they go down to their local uh, the uh, club ride or the, the couple of their mates um, or girlfriends and they go to a coffee shop and everyone's ordering a cappuccino and a, a croissant and you know and all of a sudden they, they the rest of the rides is, is a little bit destroyed because um, ah, yes and there's a little bit of IBS going on in there and they don't want to. You know, they just want to be accepted and part of part of the, the, the but they don't they don't want to talk about it. But that happens so often that, that people they just too afraid to say, oh, it doesn't work for me. I'm no longer accepted. I think one of my strengths in life is I almost don't want to be accepted because I really value my time alone. Um, and we're bombarded with so much information nowadays, and, and I really value. My little space and, and my little world that I that I want to exist in. So, um, so that's that's one of the reasons why I don't like to be a, a part of the the crowd or be accepted by the group because I want to hear my thoughts. I don't want to hear your thoughts. I have very close friends and I spend time and I, and, I, and I sit down with them and I want to hear their 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 thoughts. I don't want to hear all this noise. So that's one of the, probably one of my strengths that I have is because I, I really don't need to be accepted. I really don't. I don't have to drop my standards to be a part of the pack, you know. So that's very important. Yeah, there's a, quite a few things I want to touch on that you mentioned. And I think like, I want to definitely talk about fiber and digestion, but also kind of this whole like follow the crowd mentality of like, even if it's we don't feel good doing it people tend to follow the crowd because they want to be accepted like you're saying but before we talk about that let's just talk about fiber in general because like a little bit of like my backstory is like i had digestive issues growing up and this is always the same thing like eat more fiber or do this or do that like, it's kind of like traditional like western medicine like whatever the dogma the standards that we have and like i never felt better so i was always kind of searching for something that would like ideally make me feel better so i did all these different things and approaches and whatever and then like the fiber thing was so interesting to me because like always having been told it's like oh you got to have fiber to even go to the bathroom it's like oh really that's kind of fascinating but okay and then as i've like changed things and tried different things like i've had the same experience as you where as i have a lower fiber diet my i actually my digestion is better and like you're saying just cleaner and quicker faster and everything but then also like less gi distress on long runs and rides and like I'm not saying it's perfect by any means. I definitely still have like some minor issues or whatever, but like the, the bloating's gone for the most part. Like they're just, I don't know, like you have less, I forgot what the term is for, like less like refuse or something like in your poop. Like it's just, it's just easier. Like you just get it done and you're just in and out like super fast versus like, like you're saying that people spend tons of time every day going to the bathroom multiple times. And it's like, it's just, it's just waste product. Like there's no value to it really. And, I think most of the studies that I've seen anyways, and if anybody listening has any like, I don't know, randomized controlled trial studies or something showing otherwise, but like, I, I feel like a lot of these, these studies and trials are just correlational at best. And they don't really actually prove that like fiber prevents bowel cancer or fiber does this or does that. It's just correlational. Like if somebody's healthy and they eat fiber, it's like, oh, well, fiber must be good for you. It's like, that's not necessarily true because 
It's like how many people are strict carnivore and they have zero issues like going to the bathroom every day. Not even and then, zero issues. It's everything's just got better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense according to what they say. No. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating that like we have this like it's just things get so trendy and popular. It's like okay, if you want to go to the bathroom, you got to have fiber. It's like I've had people ask me that. Well, how do you go poop? I don't know. You just do. Like your body figures it out. Like you don't need fiber necessarily. Like, and I know people are going to disagree with me on that and whatever. But like, and I'm not like a doctor or whatever. But it's like just anecdotally, like it's worked better for me. When you say I'm not a doctor. If I followed what the mainstream doctors say, I would be fat, over overweight. I would be, I'd have com- continuous bowel issues. I'd probably be on blood, blood uh, thinners, uh, high blood, high blood pressure, uh, high blood pressure medication. I mean, I'm sitting in a, I'm sitting in a, my surgeon's office, and um, I'm talking about bowel movements, and he just taps on on the top of a, it was a sol- solal. Silum husk container. Just take this. And just no, I don't. I don't need to take that. And then I just thought to myself, but why don't you prescribe real, natural, whole ingredient meat, eggs, uh, animals? Just look at the wild. What does the lion eat? It goes out there and hunts the buck or the deer or whatever. You know what is? What does it eat? You know. It, and, and prescribe that. Don't, don't, you have to go and buy, what happens if I'm stuck in the wild? Well, God forbid, what happens if civili- civilization caves in and we, in this great apocalypse and we have to go and survive in the wild? You know? First of all, you're going to have all of these invalids, like after one hour, two hours, their blood sugar levels are going to drop and they're, they're going to be completely useless, okay? Well, you're going to be like the original hunters, like the, the Bushmen in South Africa, who go and hunt for eight hours before they find and kill what they have to kill. And they're effective. That is, mm-hmm. that is how we are supposed to be natural, not this, oh, we'll just buy a container of fiber. No, why don't you prescribe a, a, a diet that is, in fact, better, better still, why do we even have to be prescribed a diet? When our natural instinct, natural instinct, is to in fact eat meat and eat um, a, a minimal amounts of plants, you know, and, and fruits. The reason why we, we learned how to eat plants and fruits is because we weren't that lucky in catching what we wanted to catch that day. And we've become, we've weakened ourselves. We've weakened ourselves. By this mentality of of well, just you know, buying the shop, go out there, get blood on your hands. Go, I mean, I I wish I could hunt, uh, uh, but the, the the point I'm trying to make is that nothing comes where you've got this appeasement of society and it's actually just gone into a societal thing, complete laziness. And sorry, I'm going to have to bring this to the socialistic socialism. You know, the government will provide. You know, you don't worry that they will call the police if somebody's come to attack you. This is, it all starts with nutrition. It all starts with the base level of nutrition. And this is what we, we end up, you know. I mean, I can tell you stories of, I can go into, um, I really am digressing from fiber, but it is true. It is true. 
You become dependent on a substance which does nothing for you. You then need something else for that. You need something else for that. You need something else for that. Simply because Mr. Keys changed the rules back in 1977, and all of a sudden this industry just arose. And man, man and woman, something, something bad happened there. It's interesting you like, you bring all that up. There's obviously a lot of talking points there. But the other day I was watching a video, and I think it was somebody growing microgreens or kale or something in their garden. I don't remember specifically what it was. And really, it was interesting because it's like they t- it took so much work to to grow the produce, like just in their own garden or whatever. And it's like, like tons and tons of work to like to tend it, to cultivate it, and then to harvest it, and then to eat it. And in my head the whole time, I was just thinking about how like that makes no sense historically that people would spend all this time growing something that has very little bioavailable nutrients and also just a very low caloric density. Like a head of lettuce has like what like no calories in it essentially. So like why would you spend like months and months and months growing lettuce that's probably gonna get eaten or destroyed by bugs or whatever when you can go out and just like kill an animal? I'm not saying it's like easy to go kill deer or elk or whatever you guys have in Africa, but like the amount of return you get on your time investment is huge versus the amount of return on your investment for growing like some sort of vegetable. Well, a lot of people don't really realize this or know this. Fiber is inherently bad for you. Do you know why? No, tell me why. Okay, firstly, if you don't consume enough water, okay, to move the fiber through the the, the, the stomach and the upper intestine, low intestine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it also blocks all the nutrients of other foods. And also, if you're eating um, vegetables and plants, plants' bioavailability is inherently low compared to that of meat or, or animal product. If you, if you, and this is fact, there is this absolute misnomer bordering on bullshittery that meat rots in your stomach. It's the last thing to be digested. Never in, we, 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 I don't know if it's because of the information from which came the person was convincing where it all started, but there is a bloke, he did a documentary took a micro a micro camera, you know, the, the that you swallow and it goes into the gut. And he ate yeah. meat, he ate starch, and he ate uh, a salad. Okay? All at the same time. And then you see the stuff coming into the stomach. You know, chips and uh, meat, uh, you know, typical typical modern day sort of, you know, what you would find on, on a healthy, healthy plate. The first thing the first thing to get nuked was the meat. Literally went into liquid, liquid for the, the acid. Your, the, when you eat that, that food, the first thing that gets stimulated is your hydrochloric acid. Why do we have hydrochloric acid? It, it didn't just arrive when we, you know, it, we had it there for a reason because we it didn't, it's not a modern thing, hydrochloric acid, which probably some progressives may think, you know, the, the vegan, the vegan plant, plant-loving world. But the first thing was was the meat gone, literally into water. 
and that's going to get absorbed. The nutrients are going to get absorbed. But what's going to block the nutrients is that lettuce, which was the last thing to be um, um, digested. In fact, it went through the lower, uh, you know, literally came out the, the poop as in, in the little pieces of lettuce, you know. Um, and that's not, that's just waste. Because people also must understand that your poop, it's, is it really necessary to poop? Because poop is just waste. If you're eating foods which are getting digested like, like meat and consumed and absorbed, you're going to have less poop because your body is utilizing, using all of it. But no, we, we, some people believe that you must go to the toilet after each meal. That's three meals a day. Is it, I mean, it's, it's absurd that we, that we put so much ref, reference into waste that the progressives out there, okay, sorry, I was going to throw in a little bit of um, politics in here, but the progressives out there who are so, uh, we must reduce our footprint on waste. The first thing they put in their body is this vegan BS that creates poop. They are the epitome of everything they want to change. They are that shit factory that they don't want the world to be. Am I right or am I wrong? No, I think you're totally right. And something I've thought a lot about recently is, and I guess I haven't really like even said this out loud before really to people, but I feel like like the carnivore keto, whatever you want to call it world, just like eating real food world for the most part. Yeah. There's a lot of free thinking because you see a lot of people, there's a lot of correlation, at least from what I've seen on, on Instagram and YouTube accounts of people that they don't follow the USDA guidelines for whatever reasons. And these people tend to adopt like a more animal-based whole food diet versus going the opposite direction, which is very much a vegan vegetarian thing that the government pushes. And so on, and it's usually like you're saying, like, and just, I don't know, argument's sake, like more socialist lefty leaning type people are going to follow that sort of diet where it seems like the carnivore keto, like animal based world is a lot more like conservative, libertarian, free thinking and not in like this hippie woo woo way, but more in the like very based in reality is like facts of, okay, meat is very bioavailable and it's what we've eaten forever. Like scientifically, that's true, like hard facts. Where like the vegan vegetarian push is more of like based off emotion of save the animals and save the planet. And like, yeah, it's emotionally based, not factually based, where the opposite is true. More so with the carnivore diet slash like whatever diet, it's more bioavailable. It's very fact based. And that's just kind of how I think people look at things, which is just really fascinating. Like to, to see the shift, I guess, in, in diets because and it's even been recently too. I've seen a lot and I'm sure you have as well where. It's almost like this this far right extremist thing to want to take care of your body, to be strong and to take care of yourself is far right lunacy, whereas like relying on the government being a weak, quote unquote, soy boy is what you should be doing. And like, don't be a man. And so eat vegetable oils. And it's just, it, it, it's wild to me that there's well, like such a direct shift. Why do you think that progressive government wants to do that? Because they want to eliminate, eliminate resistance they want to eliminate um they want to they want to impose without resistance and the, the way you do that is you emasculate the population 
your emasculated population. Look what's happening in England, for goodness sakes. Okay, I have seen footage of one bloke against 11 police officers taking them all on and they these police officers are too scared and it was somebody said to me um it was made up or it was that's not it was not made up because i've seen many other things of of this incredibly um they they are just people that they 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 all they do is they receive a salary and they are they feckless they do nothing if you have laws, you have a police force to enforce those laws. Otherwise, why do you live in a in a a, 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 a modern, normal society, which with a civilized society, I should rather say, if you cannot enforce those laws because you have to create an anarchy to create this absolute um, rule. Uh, where, where the the public become completely apathetic and they are they sub they sub completely submissive, and you start by taking away their ability to for a man to be a man, and that starts at the food level. That all started in the seventies. Once again, a wonderful conspiracy theory, but tell me I'm wrong. Wonderful articles on the net. You're not the man your father was. The amount of testosterone, the level of, of natural testosterone in men today versus what they were in the, in the 70s and the 80s because the rot had to take uh, set in into the 90s and, and the 2000. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's true. You know? Like you yeah, the, about the, the, the people who are conservative, uh, who are right-wing-leaning, they're more interested in looking after uh, their body and, and getting stronger and fitter and, 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 and being self Reliant government doesn't want that. The testosterone thing is really interesting because it's like I forgot I don't know the exact numbers on it, but like they've done studies like archaeologically of like our ancestors that just had testosterone like through the roof compared to what we have today, mm. and now it's super low. And you even see these pushes from this, like obviously mainly like the lefty type people that are saying that like being a man is bad, masculinity is bad, and it's like this center push towards feminizing men, which is not just biologically appropriate like all feelings aside like it doesn't make sense historically to have men to be weaker because like our bodies are just built differently and i'm not saying like i'm some like beast of a, a man by any means like i'm pretty thin runner like cyclist guy but like being a man is just like you need the testosterone obviously women have it as well but like your role is in how your body is built is to be a protector and a provider and a woman's body is built very differently and there's nothing wrong with either or like being a woman like i'm sure is an amazing thing like the fact that you can have children and and take care of those children like your minds are built differently where a male's mind is generally built on like essentially practicality like okay we got to have a home got to provide for my family and protect my family like even if that means i die where like the female is also a protector but in a different like more loving nurturing way and like those differences are great and like we need to have those differences because imagine if everyone was super feminine or super masculine like it's not ideal well, for society. Sorry, the the, the connection is not not that great. So I I, I I lost you at the differences, but I I do understand. Just correct me. Just let me know if you can hear me, because um, but I, I personally 
I, I, I absolutely adore what a biological, real woman is. I revere them higher than I revere men because of what and who they are and they are that they must embrace it not try and change that likewise for for a man you, know, you need to I, I just think that the reason why we are seeing what we are seeing nowadays is people don't want to take the responsibility it's, it's, it's hard to be a man so it's easier it's easier to 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 reject that responsibility than to accept it and and, and act upon it um, and when I see the likes of um, of that uh, famous computer man, what's his name, Bill, Bill Gates, and his uh, promotion of plants, advocating of plant protein and wants us to eat fake meat. I mean, there's, in my mind, I think he's just a very, very bitter person who doesn't want to go to the gym, wants all men to look like him, because uh, it exposes, you know, when you get a man like, uh, like uh, a real man like Joe Rogan, who basically calls it out like how it is, you know, this, this bloated, extended pot belly with his spindle arms, you know, um, and he looks, he looks like an old lady, in my opinion, and that's because he's just got no... He's just got no testosterone. He's completely, he's completely ruined it for, for himself. And um, so I, I think he's he's just very spiteful. So he's he's on this he's on this quest to emasculate all men. So when he goes out in public, he feels a little bit better with himself. I could be wrong, uh, you know. I could be it's just my opinion. Um, but um, I think it's a very bad example for for for. Um, you follow um i think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna run into a lot of health health issues um as you get older you're gonna probably um, get mental osteopenia you gain to start to get high blood pressure increased glucose because you, your muscle mass is just being de decreased and the more the more adipose tissue you you have the it's just a compound. It's a double-edged sword. You just lose, you know. You just get less and less testosterone. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a very very serious situation to 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 end up like that. I mean, I still get I still get astonished by people who work so hard to have financial wealth, uh, but their health, their figure is so is so terrible um, that uh, I mean. What for? I mean, do you really want to be the wealthiest guy in the graveyard? You know, is your is your is your is your tombstone gonna read the following? Here lies Joe Soap. He was worth fifty billion dollars uh, when he died at the age of fifty-three. Uh, exactly. Like you, like what's the old saying? Like you can't take it with you. Like no one really yeah. cares in the end. It's like cool, you made billions of dollars, but it's like to what like you die young you had poor quality of life and you made a lot of money it's like is that really living life like it doesn't well it, it's, it's not in my me, opinion the living life is 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 a very very interesting concept 
and, and, and a very interesting discussion because, like you say, nobody remembers you in the end. Nobody. Even the greatest man, God, Jesus Christ. How many people remember him? It's like everybody on the planet, at least in the Western world. Well, actually not. Think about what's happening in the, the, the what's happening in, in in America with with with, with the churches and, and the fact that it's, it's been you know that it's the, the Judeo Christian values is being is, is under attack, you know, um, and it's being forced. I mean, it's been it's taken out of the curriculum of school. Um, you know, the there there is this, almost like this complete uh, um, abolishment of of, of, of religion. And people people are forgetting. We the, the youth are not unless you come from a uh, from a, a very good uh, household where where values of, of religion are are, are, are are kept. Modern modern modern, uh, modern kids nowadays, uh, progressive kids nowadays are you know not not taught, taught that. It's it's pretty interesting because okay if you take a step back and like you just look at religion from like a secular view of like very I don't know non-religious but very just very practical of like okay these are the values and the norms that say like whatever like Catholicism like uh, you see like how that's worked over centuries and millennia that like okay having a mother and father in the home like not sleeping around, not doing all these different things, you can see like the actual benefits of them apart from the actual spiritual perspective, like a very strictly secular view. You can see how like important those things are. And then once you get rid of those things and say that like, oh, it's okay to just sleep around. It's okay to like be a single mom or a single dad on purpose, or I don't need a male or I don't need a, a mom or whatever. It's like, you can see how society is just kind of falling apart once those values have been lost. And then you see people that still strive to live those values. And a lot of people will say like, oh, they're just being controlled or whatever. But it's like, those, those things work, which is why they've worked for centuries and millennia throughout the history of the planet. Because it's like those values, they, they just work. Like you can't really argue with it, to be honest, in my opinion, anyways. You know, I think society has got so bad that it's, it's on a snow, it's on a snowball. You know, it's not just one thing. It's, 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 it's almost encouraged to, 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 that these, these old school values, um, these, uh, these fascist values, you know, of the right wing, you know, it's, you know, if you have good values in life, it's actually, it's actually evil. He's, he's a conservative. He's, he's right wing, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking and scary at the same time. And scary at the same time because um, you know, it's, I mean, what's happening. But I do believe there is hope in the hope in this world. I do believe. Um, thank you to to Argentina. Um, I do believe. Uh, thank you to to the Netherlands. To um, I do believe uh, New Zealand um, uh, is also is also um, just just sworn in a, a new uh, government. Um, which is uh, definitely the complete opposite to what they had during the manufactured um, little issue we had two, three years ago. Um, so um, I, I don't believe all, uh, all is all is all is quiet on the Western Front. I do believe that uh, we have to be vigilant. We have to be aware that that um, there is this entity globalist entity out there that doesn't want us to have our freedoms. They don't want us to have freedom of thought, specifically freedom of thought. That's why they put in AI, 
is eventually it's going to eliminate the need for you to exercise the most important muscle in your body, which is your brain. We'll just be walking around these empty vessels that have no longer the capacity to think because we don't know how to think. That's how terrible AI is. That's how terrible it is. And they first started by eliminating healthy fats, real good healthy fats via animal sources out of the brain, which reduced our cognitivity, which reduced us being rational, and which reduced our capacity to think. Those who, who are managing to do so without all of these healthy nutrients, Think about what you can achieve if you had those nutrients. Because the ability of our brain and brain power is actually unlimited. We just need to know how to tap into it. But if you starve it of all the important nutrients to make that effective, well, there you go. And then you just throw in this little AI for, for, uh, for good measure. You know? Eventually, you just got, you've just got robots made out of flesh and bone. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And then just thinking about like kind of relating what you just said to like the carb addiction that we're always in or people are generally in. It's like if you're constantly chasing essentially your next fix of like, okay, I need to get 100, 200 grams of carbs in the next hour or two. Like that's all you're thinking about is like your next meal. And that's essentially a form of control, like you're saying. Like whether you want to like, I don't know, think that's government control or just big business or whatever. Like either way, like, you're not maximizing what you could be doing in life if you had a real diet and you weren't thinking about food every second of every day. Like if you can, like you're saying, like for example, if you fast, like you can just go out and like you can get tons done. That's one reason why I love fasting is like, it's like, hey, I don't have to worry about doing dishes. I don't have to worry about all these things. You can just get a lot done. And then, yeah, you do have to eat afterwards, of course. Like that's natural. But like you're not sitting there the whole time thinking like, oh, I need sugar or I need bread right now. You can just get a lot of things done. And this is, this is interesting how like you can almost like unshackle yourself from that and do your own thing and think for yourself. The, 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 the efficacy of your, of yourself becomes so heightened um, when fasting. Um, it's almost an anticlimax when you break your fast because you're just operating so efficiently, so effectively, your clarity is just tenfold. Um, yeah, it's 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 um, fasting is an, is um, is a natural medicine. It's a natural supplement. Um, not only do you you not spend money on it, you save money on it. It's it, it's found the it's one of the best tools we have. But that's that was all sabotaged with you know you gotta have five five small meals a day to stabilize your blood sugar. Basically, what they're saying is you have to have five small meals a day to ensure that you get uh, type 2 diabetes because your pancreas is going to be excreting insulin all the time and those little beta cells are going to be working over time. And you only have two of them. There's no backups on that. And like your joints, your, everything wears out over time. Uh, you'll wear those out too. Uh, eventually, you just get insulin resistance. And uh, don't worry. Don't worry. We have injectable insulin for you. <laughs> which thinking of insulin like uh isn't it interesting how like where you are in south africa we had to delay this call for a couple hours because of the electricity issue but like 
imagine like if there were no power like for say a week like all these people that have medicines that are injectables or whatever that need to be refrigerated it's like what's going to happen when they're not kept cool and then they just go bad like all these people will die so it is kind of just interesting thinking about that yeah i just i just shake my head um with regards to that um if yeah yeah you know yeah, I just, I just shake my head. You know, if you had to, if you, you just, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, it's something. Um, I, 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 with regards to that, I think I've been a little bit. I've, it's, it's, it's like doing knuckle push-ups or punching a bag. Eventually, just do, you, you know, it hurts at first. So eventually, the knuckles become calloused and you get used to it. That's, that's. That's how I, I am effectively. Uh, I become callous towards towards that, um, and yeah, it's it is what it is. And uh, I complaining is something I, I don't like. To, I don't like complaining. I need to hear complaints. I don't like to complain. Um, complaining when it's strategically necessary. Where I could actually have a con the control of the outcome, but I don't like to, I don't like it when my blood pressure gets raised. <laughs> I find that I find that annoying. I find I find that I lose when if, if my blood pressure gets raised, I lose. Um, if somebody says something that uh, technically can can affect me or it does affect me, I, I've lost. I've lost. Um, because I really believe you, you have to take it from where it comes. Um, if it was somebody whom I love and I'm very close to you and I, and I, and I value and value their, their views and, and their opinions and, and, and they said something which, which, which affected me and, 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 had, and had meaning, I would, I, would, uh, I would definitely take note of that. But I've learned that when people say things to me, and I and I do get them, I do get frequent. I mean, on social media, who doesn't? I do get lambasted on on the odd occasion with with uh, with comments where people where people demand demand or they completely object, completely object. No, you can do that. I'm a public figure. I have an open an open an open page which you it has comments activated for you to comment. Um, but when they demand something which is which they they want to hear a logical explanation, they and they and they say it in such a way which is berating. No, I'm not going to waste my time. And also, I don't even know you. And the, the five seconds that I've taken to read your your comment, I haven't enjoyed those five seconds. So I'm not going to progress on this on on pursuing a relationship with with you. Um, so and, and and you you know I don't I make I make it I really don't even on, even on Twitter um, I have stopped because I'm really a nobody I'm a nothing and you you can comment on my on my post go for it it increases my algorithm I'm not on social media for my health I'm I'm there because I do have sometimes partners that, that want want to to um, to get some exposure and it helps with with, with that, but really, I, I'm not uh, I'm not Joe Rogan, I'm not uh, Jordan Peterson, um, and 
and uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to comment because I don't just feel that. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no, nothing, nothing's going to come of it, and it's wasting my time. <clears throat> and I'd rather watch the movie on Netflix. You know, that's the kind of uh, kind of thing. And also, <clears throat> I've learned to control my ego because it, I am, I've, I've accepted I'm a nothing. I've accepted that, uh, you know, really, you know. That's that's how it is. I, if I get through another day, and I manage to do what I want to do, I've I've achieved. I've achieved. And if I got through that other day without pissing somebody else off doing that, I've achieved. Um, it, meaning I haven't played my music loud, which I don't. I don't. You know. Um, I don't park somebody in. I I'm mindful of of how I am on this planet, because I'm not here on my own. I prefer to be alone. I'm not here on my own, so I'm courteous. I'm respectful. I'm mindful of others. Um, so, and the reason why I do that is because I think it is actually I feel better doing that. And also, I do that in the hope, in the hope that it's reciprocated. Nothing's guaranteed. I do it in the hope that it's reciprocated. So I hate. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Like it's, I think it's important to, I don't know, like throw light out into the world by just being an example. Because like you were saying, like you can argue with somebody all day on social media. It's just going to piss both of you off and nothing really changes. Like they're probably not going to change your mind. Like very rarely does that happen. But I think leading by example, though, like living your values and being kind to people while also being honest and open is probably the best way to, to promote any message. Like, like you see, like militant people that are like vegan or even carnivore too. People are very militant about it, yeah, and that, I, I, that's I'm not going to change anybody's mind. This whole tribal thing is—I've I've just when I've stopped being so tribal about it, I actually st- stopped and I, and I looked at myself and I said, "You sound ridiculous." I mean, <laughs> really? I think if he wants to go and eat plants, only then let him eat plants. Just let the oak live, live and let live. That's the problem in this world, you know. If he comes and asks for your opinion from a standpoint that maybe I'm not feeling too great, I haven't been feeling too great, why do you why do you prefer only to eat um, you know meat? If he came from that perspective, then I would then offer my opinion and lend my experience to prove my opinion. And yeah, I, I think that that's what you should do. Is like let people do what they want to do and then put like information out there. And if they're interested, they'll they'll come to it. Or if they have questions, they'll ask. And I think having open dialogues with people that you may or may not disagree with is is super important because it's like you and I. Like I'm sure we disagree on on many things, but also agree on a lot of things. But like, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're wrong. But like, how are we going to know if we don't talk to each other about it in a respectful way? And like, I've changed my views over the years quite a bit by just having conversations with people that that I disagree with. And I'm like, oh, it's an interesting perspective because maybe they were like raised differently or have gone through different life experiences and like and those people it, it, can still be your friends it, it depends just you know it, it just boils down to 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 what gun you carry um so you know that you can always you can tell you can tell a lot about a person by, by the gun they carry you know and then the, the justification of, of why they carry that gun so um yeah that's 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 the only that's the only kind of a marker i use um for um, <laughs> To, to understand it, you know. Um, 
you know, you know, nowadays everyone's going for these subcompacts and they're so easy for carry and concealment and everything. And shit, when I was your age, it was a it was a full size government model, 1911, you know, um, with a spare magazine or two spare magazines. Never had an issue with problems with concealability or weight, because that's that's what we knew. That's what was accepted, and you just made it work. But now it's like, God forbid, how can you carry a full-size this or a full-size that? And I think to myself, you're a a right wing with very, very bordering progressive values coming on right there in the whole red dot phase. I think I think YouTube's been fantastic for 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 for, for the gun culture and bad for the gun culture because yeah some of these some of these I mean they do wonderful videos incredibly cut well well published and produced but sometimes the the information which they lend I'll use the word lend it's highly debatable. Um, don't watch real people like uh, Masada you. Ken Hackathorn, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, um, what's Vicar's name? His first name, but the guys that have, that have been there, seen there, seen that, watched the whole evolution, you know, um, and advocate. Yes, you use a, use a red dot in in competition, as it's, you know, maybe if you've got really a, a, ailing ailing uh, um, eyesight, it might be um, very good um, for you, uh, but You've got 2020 vision, you're young, fit, and healthy. You don't need it. And also, you're relying on technology that, in the height of the, the, the uh, situation, fails on you. You know, in that split second, are you going to go to your, your backup irons or co witnessing? You know, not in it. How often are you in that situation that you can guarantee me that you're going to cope in, the, in that situation? You know, you're looking for that specific, that specific, and, and also, how often are you actually using using uh, using that? So um, rather follow follow Robert Robert Vogel. Um, you know, see what he can do with with, with irons, um, and uh, and then realize that uh, maybe the red dot on a reciprocating mass as well. <laughs> you know, all of these things, people, you can't change it. I don't care the you know the new technology. They're investing so much technology. Spend the time on training, and if your eyes eventually fail, you know, like mine are, um, maybe consider a red dot. I I refuse. You know. um, I'll maybe put it put it on a, on a, on a on a on a rifle, but not uh, not on a reciprocating mess. Or I'll put, probably put it on a revolver. Yeah, I think what weapon people choose to carry with them is fascinating because it really it shows what's going on in their head to a certain extent. Like if they're concealed carrying versus open carry or a long gun versus a pistol or something and what type of pistol and everything yeah. about it. Like I'm definitely not an expert. Like I love to shoot super fun and I wish I knew more about it. But like, it's like you're, one of the things that I, got, I took away from what you just said though is the reliance on technology. Yeah. And like when it comes down to anything, whether you're riding bikes or running, shooting, your, your truck, your vehicle that you drive is like relying on technology to do things can that can be very um, like time saving in the moment, but it can also be very detrimental in the long run. Like how many kids these days can't even read a map? Like it, well, it's wild because they just Google Map everything. 
you, you've just qualified why I'm so passionate about uh, uh, arms and ammunition and gun culture is because the, the genius, the, inge the ingenuity into designing a platform which stands the test of time when technology just cannot better it. Like, for instance, we take John Moses Browning uh, uh, 1911 platform, okay? It is still utilized today in almost its entirety via staccato, the 2011s. Um, it's effectively just a 9 mil double stack with almost the identical mechanisms, some minor variations. But that, that was designed in 1903, went into service in 1911. So the test of time in the military, through idiocy, through um, stress, through, through so much um, uh, situations which a laboratory in a jig cannot replicate and was designed with the guy that didn't even know what a computer was and likewise for the Browning high power even the, even the Glock the Glock pistol which is a striker fire the first ever it will never ever be dethroned, not in my lifetime. And the reason for that being because you need geopolitical scenarios like wars, like an increase in law enforcement, um, so on and so forth, to prove the efficacy of that platform in human hands. Not in a jig, not in a laboratory, in human hands. It's not about the trigger on that is atrocious. You must try this canic, you know? That's got a better trigger. You know? What is the track record of it? The track record is it's got really good marketing. They knew how to beat the algorithms on. They knew how to get into the various ambassadors. They knew how to promote their product. That's their, that's their, 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 their um, what they've accomplished. It, it needs to have that history of being utilized by over 60% of American law enforcement now. Special forces, military, standard military, utilizing that platform to show over a period of years, um, uh, decades, in various applications and scenarios to get a stamp that says tried. If you don't have that when it comes to a, 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 a sidearm or a weapon, it doesn't matter how good your Instagram page is, it doesn't matter how good your ambassadors are, it's designed for the most critical scenario, scenario out there. Is it reliable? Is it tried, true, and tested? What is its track record? How often, how often has it been copied? If it wasn't, for instance, if it wasn't for, for, for Glock, there wouldn't be a Kenick. There wouldn't be a, a, a um, you know, there wouldn't be an, M, an MNP uh, Smith & Wesson. There wouldn't be, for 1911, there wouldn't be a Stuttgart or 2011. What preceded it? Where did that, in, where did that ingenious design, that concept come from? How has it been proven? That's the beautiful thing about it. 
that's the beautiful. Specifically, if you had to take something out of the world and say, what is what what is actually that impressive? Oh, guns, guns are that impressive. There's a nineteen ninety three. Can't be it can't be it can't be improved upon. Yeah, it's it's kinda like uh, like you're saying tried, true and tested. You see a lot of trucks this way as well. Like like you see like on in the US, like the Tacoma, for example, is a solid platform of a truck, the Toyota Tacoma. And then all around the world the world is the Toyota Hilux, which is like this indestructible truck and then it's so interesting and not to get into like I guess all the the details and stuff on war and terrorism and counter whatever you want to call it like it's totally different subject for another day but like the fact that you see so many like like rebel groups and militia groups around the world putting guns on a Toyota Hilux is because there's extremely durable reliable trucks you can find parts for them anywhere when they do break and they're just reliable so same thing with with guns it's like you want a platform that's tried true and tested like you're saying because it's really life or death. Likewise for an AK-47. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up too. <laughs> who I actually met, um, Mikhail Kalichnikov, I actually met him in 1996. Um, I met him in Johannesburg when he was at the, um, we had the equivalent of the SHOT Show, which is like one hundredth of the size of the SHOT Show in Vegas. We had, we have, we had the equivalent. And then the, the importer for Kalichnikov, the civilian, uh, he brought him, brought him into um, South Africa, and I actually got to like stand next to him. It's quite, um, yeah. I mean, that guy. Ironically enough, he died a pauper um, because he developed a, he designed a, a um, his design was designed in a socialist, socialist country. So he, there was no licensing. Everyone could just every every uh, communist country um, basically had the rights to copy it. So he. Now, he was revered and honored, and, um, but uh, he, he ironically died a poor man. No, not Which that is interesting. Poor. Yeah, but not. not oh. Yeah, because he's a, what, Bulgarian? Is that where they made the clash? No, 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 no. He's a Pakas, uh, Russian, so Soviet Union. Oh, okay. No. And he was a, he was a, he, he actually stole the design, the initial design from the Germans, believe it or not. He was a, he was a, a um, he was injured in a war. I think he was a prisoner. I'm not exact on the on the details, but he he stumbled upon the blueprints whilst um, uh, uh, where where he was um, either recovering or breaking out in, in Germany, and it was a, originally a, a German a German assault rifle design, um, which which uh, and then he made a few mod- modifications. Very interesting story. Something worth uh, watching on YouTube um, if you want to know a little bit about history on that. That's very interesting. Yeah, actually, I listened to a book recently. Like, I follow a lot of the like drug trafficking and stuff from Mexico to the U.S. Because having like lived in Mexico and then living in the Southwest is just kind of common stuff to think about. But I listened to a book from a British journalist that's lived in, in Mexico City for like twenty years or something. He just strictly covers narco trafficking, and he had a gun or a book about guns and like where they came from and how that applies to the U.S. and to Mexico. And and it's basically like there's a whole chapter on like what you're talking about with um like the creator of the AK-47 and that the whole history, because it is pretty fascinating. And then to see like where it is today, like, yeah. like gun, gun culture is, is pretty amazing, honestly. And like the people that are involved in it are just really cool people. A hundred percent. And because there's a common understanding, there's a common, there's a common bond, which, which, and respect. Um, because when you grow up around guns, you're taught, Principle, uh, rules and, and, and principles. 
which are in, enforced. It, it, it's, a, it's a system which is not just taught once. It, you're, it's frowned upon if you don't obey. So that mentality is basically transferred over into normal life and daily life because those four primary rules are so imperative because you're dealing with something which has disastrous outcomes should you not obey and follow those rules to the T. And it's ingrained, it's for life lessons, which, and I, it's just a wonderful, beautiful community, which, which honestly, I, I feel it's a one, it's a one area where I just, I just, I can happily go in there and just feel comfortable. You know, if I go into my local gun store, I just can happily go there and just, you know, feel, feel happy. Definitely. Like I, I grew up like small town and stuff and everybody would shoot guns and hunt and stuff. And like, we consistently would go clay pigeon shooting. It's just super fun. And it does teach you a lot of things like, like one, just like proper safety and being around people like trigger management, not flagging people like that sort of thing. But then like, apart from just like general safety rules, though, like the amount of discipline it teaches you, like how to be calm under pressure. Like if someone's throwing a, a clay pigeon out and you have to shoot the shotgun, so you have to be calm in that moment because a little bit of a, like a, a shift of the barrel will totally miss the target. And so you you can apply those principles to everyday life as well, like just being dedicated and focused and then also relying on other people and like trusting other people because that's a huge part of like shooting as well as like trusting the people that you're with. And honestly, if people have never shot before, like I know a lot of people, especially in the outdoor industry, are super hesitant about guns. They have like these misconceptions that like anyone owning a gun is just some like gun whacker that's going to go like do something awful. But it's really, it's not like that at all. And like most people that own weapons, like, yeah, they're really into them because it's, it's fun. It's interesting. Like it is a culture for sure, but also you can just learn so many life lessons from it. And like, I would love to take people out shooting that are hesitant about weapons and stuff and just like show them some basics and teach them that like, it's not a scary thing. It's just a tool, just like, like a hammer is a tool. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I, um, twenty over 20 years ago, I used to, you know, I used to carry a nine I used to sleep with that thing in my bed, locked and locked. You know, uh, it's a hammer, safety on under my pillow. And sometimes I used to roll around and I used to like get like an imprint on on it on my, you know. Um, I used to. It's, it's, it's so second. It's just so second nature. It's just. I mean, from the age of six. From the age of six. Um, and I'll tell you an interesting story. Here's a very interesting, interest, interesting story. I shot, I shot my father's 38 special at the age of six. And, uh, when I, when I had my bar mitzvah at 13, um, being a good Jew, that's another reason for other people to hate me too. Um, the, um, he, he used to leave his 38 special on my desk on a Monday afternoon for me to clean. And then I used to clean that thing with hops number nine, and I used to carry it, put it back in the in the, in the cupboard. In those days, we didn't we weren't requiring those step safes. Um, I mean, this is in the eighties, okay, and with the ammunition, unloaded, but there was a box box of the head special. Whenever I see a school shooting, and it's just diabolical and tragic when I do. And I hear 
the blame placed on an inanimate object. It could be a knife, it could be a fork, but it's a shooting is use a gun. And they blame it on the gun. I shake my head. Because we never ever get to develop and evolve. We lay we lay blame on an object that is useless without a human hand around it. Yeah, we can definitely okay, go ahead. Yes, sir. Let me let me let me finish. Let me finish. I grew up in a school and I was redhead. Horse on white skin, short, a Jew, a Jew, and I failed the standard and I was mocked, laughed at. I even had my sub teacher, so he's like a grade two, grade three, but the class was made to laugh at me. Yeah. And, um, School. The only time I enjoyed school was the, the last bell. The last bell was the best. That was the, that was the time I enjoyed school. I wasn't, I wasn't also, later on, I became a ballet dancer, which really, which really, um, I don't know why, but it was self persecution in an all boys school, not to add, you know, insult to injury. But getting back to, to that, never once, never once did I ever consider doing harm, let alone taking a lethal weapon and doing harm to somebody else. Once. And do you know why? Because I had a loving mother and father. You instill discipline in me and values. So when somebody tells me, or I hear it, that the, the result of this mass shootings is because of the gun, it is because of a mental illness, it is because of a structure which has been eradicated out of that person's system. They are crying for help, but they don't know where to get it because those those values have been removed. It's not. It is. It is effectively an issue around discipline, around uh, 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 an unstable mind. That is where the problem is. That's where the problem is. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And that's actually where I was going to lead into. Then you you kind of spoke what I was going to say, which is perfect (laughs) because it it is true. It's like a, like a gun by itself can't do any damage to anybody. Like a hammer can't build a house. Like a gun can't cause issues without like somebody behind it. And like here in the States, for example, we have all these like hyper processed, hyper palatable foods that are banned in a lot of places because they have been linked very heavily to mental disorders like even like artificial colorings and flavorings and things have been shown to cause like or been linked to I should say to like ADHD 
for example, and like depression, all these different things. And when you couple that with like you were saying, like a, a poor household, like maybe the, the father's absent or the mother's absent, is lack of values and there's not any sort of structure. And then these kids, when they're picked on at school, are going to take it out on them. So you couple this like nutritional, like almost like a, like the foundation of their depression could be nutritionally based. And then you couple that with like a poor household and then you give them access to something like, yeah, clearly they're going to like going to act out for lack of a better term. And I think there's like all these like things are just so all encompassing. Like it's not just diet. It's not just this. It's not just that. It's, it's everything. But something that we can easily change in society is just like stopping like the consumption of these foods that are linked very heavily to, to mental disorders and physical disorders. And, and like even like on a, a very like basic like foundational level, like things that disrupt your gut, like if you're not digesting food properly, you're going to have some deficiencies that are going to affect your brain and you're not thinking clearly. And then you get picked on at school and then maybe you have an abusive father, an abusive mother, or maybe they're just gone all the time. Like all these things just kind of snowball into something that's it's, it's easy to blame on like, say, like the weapon when it's actually like a mental disorder or a, like a deficiency of some sort. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's very, it's very, uh, um, two-faced hypocritical when terrorists goes and rams people with a truck in Paris or in Nice, wherever it was, not one person that I see on social media saying, no, we need to ban trucks. Mm -hmm. Just got banned trucks. It's the yeah. problem, you know, I mean, case closed. I mean, you, you cannot argue against that. Well, same, same sort of same sort of thing, you know. Um, it's not it's not, it's not the person who misspelled the word; it was the pencil. It was the pencil that misspelled the word? And your weight problem has got nothing to do with the. It's got nothing to do with you um, eating too much. It's that bloody spoon, that fork that you have. That is the reason. That's the reason. Not you. It's not you at all. You've got to, You've got to get rid of those those forks and the spoon. Yeah, no, it exactly. It's, it's interesting because I think. Oh, go ahead. It wasn't a person who killed that that that, that innocent innocent pedestrian um, who was crossing the road. Um, the drunk the drunk driver it was the car's fault. The logic is there is no logic. It's devoid of logic. When people blame something for the actions of a person, I think it kind of like kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier: the emotional versus fact-based arguments. Because specifically here in the United States, like most killings, like with a weapon or at least like with a gun, for example, are done with a handgun. But there's rarely ever any sort of like discussion about banning handguns. It's always it's like ban rifles and assault, like uh, so-called assault, and, yeah, like assault uh, weapons. Uh, and it's uh, like assault the AR. What is assault? What does the AR stand for? Assault rifle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nothing to do with rifle then. Nothing no, to do with that. No, not the 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 the, the manufacturer armalite rifle. Nothing. No. Okay. Just. I just want to clarify that. You know better than me. I mean, you know, who are you? I, I work for Armalite. We created the AR-15. Uh, we named it the AR-15 after Armalite rifle. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty funny how like that's just like continually perpetuated, and like no matter how many times you say it, people will still think, "Oh, assault rifle." And it's like, what is an assault yeah. rifle? Oh, what is no, yeah. no definition for it. Big bullets, big bullets. That is it. Yeah, yeah. Also, the TT three five six is actually the same, same as a TT long rifle. It's a very big bullet. Fucking huge. Massive. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny that like like I think it comes back down to the emotional argument because it's like oh it's banned like assault rifle quote unquote assault rifles because they because they're scary looking compared to a handgun or something. Even though statistically handguns are are way more like you're likely way more likely to be killed by a handgun than you are an assault rifle. Like I guess uh, somebody would, using that uh, weapon. Like an, uh, like a, an MA1 Garand. Um, yeah, which shoots a thirty-six round, which is a, which is a proper caliber. Um, <laughs> that, that looks like a that looks like a, just a normal good stock you know, rifle to me. Uh, I, I'd probably want to take that if I had to go into battle, you know, or M14, you know. So, um, yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I think all I'm sorry. getting at is that there's just so many like misconceptions about everything and it's like people come down to these like emotionally based arguments without looking at the facts like no matter what you talk about like we can go into a million like examples but like really people just they make a decision based off an emotional argument and then that's what they live for the rest of their lives even if they are factually wrong and that's it's rough but don't you think society has or the progressives have basically based everything they do on emotions Oh, 100 percent. Like it's emotional voting, like say like just welfare, for example, it's like yeah. all these people need help. So let's give them things versus teaching them how to do things so they can be self-sufficient because yeah. being self-sufficient makes you a scary extremist. Like wanting to be left alone makes you crazy. Whereas like if you're relying on the government or other people, then suddenly you're like falling in line and like a good person. Or whatever. Does it make any sense? And everything, and everything they do, <clears throat> I'm generalizing now. But it appears that everything they do is based off emotions. Then they you couple that with a, a very poor diet, bad processed foods, bad chemicals they put in the foods. And, and don't you think that's a recipe for like really being triggered? I'm gonna just quickly uh, um, just hold, I grab grab the light over here because the sun the sun has decided to leave. Yeah, I guess it's a evening time for you guys out there. Like <laughs> I'm still waking up today. Um, but 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 basically, it's almost as if this isn't something which people are unknown about. You you create you create the society you want. That's 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 I mean that's a whole other discussion because I wholeheartedly believe that this is a bigger plan. This is the greater plan. This is um, this is warfare. Um, that we just are not used to. It's the it starts with the mind. You manipulate the mind. First of all, you weaken the body, and also the and and, and you manipulate the mind. Um, so you you uh, resistance, your opposition is eliminated. And um, and I really think that that's that's what society, that's what um, who who they are. Um, Firstly, if, if um, I'm not a fan of Andrew Tate at all, um, I think I think um, he definitely needs to use his ego um, 
uh, I, I don't know if you heard him speak recently with uh, um, Piers Morgan, but I, I, I do sound a little bit by him. It's not that I subscribe to him. I believe that somehow he he got that information of or we do think think a little alike, but I'm not a, not a fan of his at all. I don't. I believe a lot of the stuff has been that that he's charged with is at the moment just uh, allegations. And uh, I, I don't believe, really believe, but I'm just not a fan. But I do believe that this people that want uh, want us all to be injected with, uh, with uh, poisonous substances to so-called fight off illnesses uh, want us to eat plants, stop stop driving cars which which have uh, petroleum, you know, and uh, that humans are responsible for climate change, which has been happening for the last two and a half million years. No one, no one has ever bothered to look up at the moon, and nobody's ever bothered to actually bring that into the equation of the moon. It's been moving away from the Earth for the last 20,000 years. Uh, it is now moving away at the Earth at a rate of 3.78 centimeters. This is not a conspiracy. This is absolute science fact. The moon is, is the natural satellite of the Earth and responsible for tilting the Earth and its axis. But surely, surely if there is climate change, there's no climate emergency. If the climate change and the instability in weather, like we talk about, that this season, is that the, Earth, that the moon is responsible for stable seasons, that if, the, if, that if we didn't have a, a, a natural satellite patrolling the Earth's axis, we would be constantly in a, in a summer or a winter for thousands of years. So that is fact. Yeah, that's interesting. So like that I... nobody, nobody has bothered to bring up the moon, but we always talk about their 50 truck. Which has been around for how long? Or even 100 years. And all of a sudden, we are creating. A, but the scientists, something, when people talk about scientific papers and the data, you aren't going to go and research it and sit down and evaluate that data. Nobody does. We suck it up, we suck it up, and we just accept it. Yeah. Like that's, the, government, uh, the government does. The government does. We lined up for those rejections, but shit, when we have to pay our taxes and, and, and we always complain about government's misappropriation of funds, but all of a sudden when it comes to, uh, you know, substances put into our bodies, we are like, there, you know, hey, the government, they know they're there to help us. They are totally hardcore. Yeah, there's definitely a huge disconnect there in, like, in people's brains. And it's, it's wild to me because people will sit there and complain about like you're saying, like misappropriation of funds and be like, oh, well, it's okay if they do this. It's like, okay, you think they're the most inefficient organization on the planet, but you're also going to be okay paying and supporting this so they can misuse their tax dollars or your tax dollars for whatever they want to do. Like, like, it doesn't make any sense, honestly. Exactly. It's wild. Take, take the vaccine. Take it. Um, you will not get infected. Um, oh, you do. You will get infected. Okay, you will not get severe illness. Oh, okay. You will get severe illness. You will not get. You will not die. Oh, well, the the the, the possibilities of you dying dying will be a, a, a little bit reduced. Oh, the vaccines actually causing deaths. Oh, like myocarditis. Oh, um, you know, and other things. 
Oh. Specifically here in the United States with the with that, it's so interesting how and I'm being like very like not left or right on this issue at all, but just like when Trump came out with Operation Warp Speed to like create this vaccine super fast, the left was against it and the right was all for it. And then a few weeks later, suddenly it's like, oh, Biden's pushing the vaccine. Now the left's all for it and the right's all against it. And just kind of shows down or comes down to what we're talking about, where people don't critically think about something like they look at maybe 100%. like the, the, the person giving it out. Yeah. I, 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 I caved. I lost, I lost, um, I dropped my standards. And I caved, and I, I, but I specifically went for the J&J, which is equally as strong in, in, in RNA vaccine, but still equally hazardous. And I went for it because it was only one shot back then. And I only ever took one shot. But I will tell you that I have never been right since. My health has, I've been ill like you cannot believe. Literally took, came out of, I, I, I fainted. I was walking in the street. I completely passed out. They found me on the side of the bushes. Come out. They stole my cell phone. And people in South Africa, people don't come to help you. They just take what they can find. Seriously, true story. Um, and and the, the the year before that, before I went to to uh, France, I I was my legs were bouncing in the bed. I was shaking so much. I've never been like this. Never. Yeah, I guess I the same thing. Like I wish I. I could go back in time and not take it, but I I took it because I had to go to another country for a, a film shoot. And at the time, I was like, oh, man, I really need this because who knows what the economy is going to be like the next couple of years. So I definitely caved in my standards, too. And like I, I got the shot, and it's like for a month after that, I could barely run. Like my, like running a 10-minute pace like was yeah. just awful. Like It was extremely difficult. And, and now, like a couple of years later, I still have like random like chest pains from it. I never had that before, and they started immediately after getting yeah. the shot, and it's, so, it's super so frustrating. I, I, I went. I, I take I take supplements specifically for that, whether it works or not, whether it's psychosomatic. I mean, I, I take copious uh, uh, amounts of in in acetylcysteine or NAC. Um, obviously, my D threes, my zincs. Um, Quarantines everything just to, to, to strengthen strengthen the heart muscle. I, I take I take that, um, and uh, yeah. I but never never again never again with WHO never again with the World Economic Forum never again. And they come with a pandemic. And you know that um, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there's been an outbreak in China now with this kid pneumonia. You know? Yeah, I saw something about that. Okay. I haven't really looked into it, though. Okay, okay. Here we go again. Here we yeah. go again. They, they try, they're trying to keep the hysteria going with the monkeypox. I don't know if you remember the monkeypox. Yeah, it came, kind of fizzled out really fast. <laughs> okay, that's not going to work. You know, how else are we going to fear among these people? But I think I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, um, because now with uh, um, Argentina, the new, the new uh, uh, president of Argentina and Completely, um, has you know, he's, he's basically told told everyone that we don't want involved to go and take a hike. Interestingly enough, when he the stock markets in Argentina just went skyrocketed there when when the day he was uh, he he, uh, he was inaugurated, whatever it became, you know, or not no when he won when he won the stock markets, and I'm hoping that this 
people look at, see this, the, the result um, of what happens economically, that it will create a trend. Um, so he's told, he's told the WHO to go and take the hike. New Zealand's also done it. Um, Holland, Holland's also doing it. The Netherlands with the new Gert, uh, um, whatever the new prime minister in, uh, is. Um, and, and I think there's going to be this, 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 this trend. Um, pe people have had enough. And I think there's a lot of uh, liberal verging on progressive that have also just, just had enough realized it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in Argentina because like for years they've had like crazy inflation, like really high um, unemployment rates and all these different things. So it's also like a really amazing country, like, super beautiful, a lot of good beef production down there. And so I'm curious as to like when the government gets out of the way of food production, what's going to happen with that? Like because like in an like, idyllic, I guess that's the word idyllic. I don't know, whatever. In a perfect world, like they would just have like an amazing economy with like really solid food. And like obviously have people with options. Like if you want to buy junk, you can buy junk. You can also buy good products because there's going to be an open market of like ideas and also just commerce. And so it's like one meat company will be, will be um, competing with another meat company and then ideally have a better product. And like that's what we want well, to see, right? Like better products and lower prices. I think an ideal situation would be effectively what the... The founding fathers of America wanted for, for their country. They, they wanted a republic. They wanted a, a libertarian society where government has a minimal involvement. Minimal. And everyone fends for themselves. Everyone is responsible for, for, for themselves. And I think that is, that is what breeds Productivity. That's what breeds uh, innovation, and I think that that is um, that's important. Absolutely important. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like having these open markets where people can can buy what they want when they want with like their own labor is like what it should be. Like, like if I want to give you like a pound of ribeye for ten apples, I should be able to not have the government interfering with that or like for example like in nevada where i grew up like in the state of nevada it's like las vegas um like you can't buy raw milk like that's illegal you can buy alcohol you can easily get drugs you can easily get like tobacco products or marijuana is legal but buying raw milk is like some big thing where the like the feds will raid your house for it like it's absolutely insane that like the government will control our food supply like this and like think about it what you want but it's just stupid that like the government will tell you what you can and can't eat at gunpoint, essentially. Look, there is definitely, I, I think that the element of the deep state crept in post the death, the assassination of George S. Patton, General George S. Patton. Mm -hmm. look, look, look up his, uh, his death. I'm, very, I'm more interested in American history than I am here. In the country in which I reside in, um, I think I'm more of an American at heart than any other nationality. But um, George S. Patton was the godfather of manhood. I don't know if you know his, uh, his accolades in the, in the Second World War. Um, but uh, he, he uh, I, there, there was American, there was some, that there was something. That wasn't right post 
post the Nazi, the Nazi, the fall of the Nazis, and then all of a sudden the guy that one of the main the main guys to to get rid of them, the the Nazis was uh, was was assassinated. Um, unfortunately, came to his demise in a, in a very weird car uh, automobile accident. <clears throat> The whole you got you've got to, you've got to, you've got to look look I'll, I'll send it to you, but um, I think there is definitely something at play, um, and unfortunately America is the center stage of of it, um, with regards to everything from UFOs, um, deep state, global globalists. Um, there's a there's a lot of a lot of Highly questionable things which happened post that. A discussion for another time, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely interesting how, and I've thought a lot about this recently, like, and not to get into like details in every like conflict around the world, but like Ukraine, Israel, Syria, Yemen, all these different places, how. It's so common knowledge here in the States that like we're funding all this stuff with our tax dollars. And even like with the, say the Afghanistan withdrawal too, which is a total disaster. And like, no matter how you cut it, like Americans died over there in that withdrawal. And just the war in general was a total farce as we know now. And I think most of us knew initially, but like, it's interesting how it's just like a, it's a talking point here of like, oh yeah, like this many people or this many Americans died over here or the government did this, the government is doing that and people are dying and like because of it and yet people just kind of laugh at it, like oh well that's really sad that we spent like a trillion dollars in afghanistan versus actually doing something about it and we're all guilty by proxy i think like like by us essentially paying taxes and having the federal reserve we're funding these wars around the world and we're destroying people's lives and yet i think we're just so comfortable here in the states that we don't really think much about it until it affects us like acutely like, say, if I had a family member that died in, in a foreign war, then I would think about it more so. But, like, when you're just a normal guy or, or woman, whatever, working every day, it's like, oh, well, whatever, like, another hundred kids died in Afghanistan or another hundred kids died in Israel or Gaza or something. It's like, it's just a number so and a statistic, you, sadly. Did you, say that, did you say that you're comfortable in the United States? No, I'm saying, yeah, like, I think people, like, I know like our economy I, blows I, right now, I, but in I, general, people are pretty complacent because... I would, I would. I would definitely, I would definitely argue that since you, since the southern border has been open, since um, his royal Bidenness has taken office, and apparently 11 million illegals have come across into America. Yeah, Maybe. no, that's that's definitely true. And what's interesting about that, like living in the Southwest, is like. It, even though it is like a countrywide issue, the only people that think about it are people along the border. Like no one else thinks about it. Like if I go to like Denver, for example, no one even cares about the immigration issue. If you go to like Kentucky, no one thinks much about it, even though those issues are stemming over or uh, coming over the border more heavily into those areas. And they will, and they definitely will more. But like, I think people are pretty naive about what's going to happen because we're already seeing like, cartel activity on like our side of the border like in arizona new mexico and Ari in texas but people don't want to think about it because it's like out of sight out of mind right like they're not going to think about it until 
they see some sort of big cartel issue. You know, they think about fentanyl, that's a big old thing everyone talks about, but like, this is like something that's going on. And most people don't want to think about it. And I guess what I mean by being comfortable is like, it's almost like the whole bread and circus thing where it's like, you give people bread, you give them a show, keep them entertained. And they're not going to, they're not going to revolt or care much about other issues because like they're eating and they're entertained. Like they can go sit there and just like, just watch Netflix all night and go to work and come home and do the exact same thing. And they're not going to cause any problems or cause any uproar, I guess, because they're fine until something happens to them. Then they're going to think about it more. But even then, their neighbors might not think about it. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I get what you're saying, though, for sure. I'm definitely on, on agreement with you because that's a major issue. And like, I follow it closely and nobody even cares about it. Like, the U.S. government cares more about, like, for whatever reason, Ukraine, even though it's I don't know. It's another topic again for another day or whatever. Then like this literal war going on like an hour or even just like five minutes from some people's doorsteps. Like you cross a border wall and you're in a war zone. Like and I lived down there for multiple years in, in Juarez and it's like, it's insane. And it's happening right there and no one thinks about it. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me. Look, it's, it's a, it's a very simple, simple thing. All those progressives who were worried about um, World War Three happening when the Orange Man was in power, and I'm just going to be derogatory for this this point because we all know that I'm a big Trump fan. Um, but uh, when Orange Man was in power, it, all the progressives said, "No, World War Three is going to happen." Um, and then w when Mr. Inclusivity and Mr. Mr. Um, you know, uh, every peace peace will, will come into power, um, it, the world will be at peace. The absolute opposite is true on both accounts. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because Mr. Orange Man really actually does want the betterment for the people. Simple as that. I mean, proofs in the proofs in the pudding. And um, and when he did come to power, I made a joke that waking up in four years when it's all over. But then, I, but then, instead of being emotional, I started to do my research. I really did. I don't know. I live in South Africa. I live in South Africa, Cape Town. Why must I? Why must I show interest? You know, but I did. And then all of a sudden, from Orange Man bad, like Ben Shapiro says, to Orange Man good. He's a human being. He has made mistakes in his in his posture. So don't you ever think that most one of the most, if not the most corrupt person, Joe Biden. Okay, he's not even in power. He's a puppet. You don't. He he only talks when there's a teleprompter, and he and at the best when he they've given his his, his wake up medication, can he actually read the teleprompter correctly? Okay. Forty seven years or forty nine years in 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 in, uh, in Congress, comes the president. Do you think do you think he's not been infiltrated? The only safe bet in this day and age is Donald Trump because he's not a politician. He hasn't been in Congress. He doesn't need to be there. He didn't even take a salary as a prime as a president. He's not swayed by money. Yeah, sure, he's got some ego issues and everything, but the fact of the matter is, genuinely is there for the, the, the good of the people. Yeah, I think it's just going to... 
it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the emotional versus factual based arguments where if you even like take go back, what, eight years, seven, eight years now when Obama was president here, like he, how many kids did he kill? How many extrajudicial killings of American citizens were killed? How many wars were started? All these different things. And it's like people look at him because he's very charismatic and he's, this is not another white guy. He talks well. Exactly. He's he's very eloquent and just very like clean looking. Like and that's Prince that, of Dark, the Prince of Darkness is disguised as a gentleman. Exactly. And then like look at all the things that happen from him. People would vote for him though simply because he he can speak well and he's very eloquent. And then you look at the actual facts behind him and it's like he's just as murderous as, as Bush was and or Clinton. Like all these guys are just they're just all awful people. But people are gonna vote for somebody based off an emotional argument, like, Oh, I'm gonna give you things or I, I speak very well and I'm I'm not your typical like whatever guy running for president. And it, it's really sad though, because the world and our countries would be way better off if we voted based off practicality and not off emotionally based arguments because they don't hold water in the end of the day. Yeah, look, it, it's it's um <clears throat> it's a very com- complex situation because first firstly, um <clears throat> We have so much noise and distraction in, in our lives. The human is a very complicated species. It's only evolving really now, but now we've, we've created things which is not going to hamper its evolvement. It's, it's intellect and, um, and yeah, it's at the end of the day, just yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, hopefully Elon will have that starship ready. You take off to Mars. I'm gonna reach out, see if I can become an ambassador. You know, to promote uh, travel to Mars. <laughs> happy to happy to sweep floors there. You know. Um, yeah. Happy but... to yeah to be a pioneer. Die die. Hopefully not impact. You know, die there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Sean kind of like almost everything yeah. we're talking about today has just come come down to like personal responsibility and taking control of your life. Like definitely, I think having like support from other people is very important, and I think that's necessary for a lot of things. But in the end, though, it's like critically think about things. Like, say you hear a study that meat is bad, well, figure out why. Like, look at the study, read the study, don't just read the headline. Or if you hear that like plants are bad, well, read the study. Like, why? Is it a good study and why? If you hear that climate change is real, like I'm not going to tell you either way, but like do some research on it. If you think this is bad or this is good, I guess essentially just like counter your beliefs and do some research, some critical thinking. And we'd all be a lot better off for that, whether it's nutritionally speaking or politically speaking, or even with relationships, like we look at ourselves, like I think we all kind of like live our own story and are like the, the heroes of our own story. But in the end, though, it's like we're not perfect. And I think we can learn a lot from other people and a lot of people can help us and then vice versa. I think that's very, 100%, 100%, 100%. But, you know, but the problem is um, the acceptance <laughs> issue of, of, of human beings. Um, they want people, the majority of people just want to be accepted. They want to be liked. Um, and uh, very few want to back the system. And, you know, they just... People just want to follow the crowd, you know. Yeah, it's a lot easier just to follow the crowd than it is to yeah. like think for yourself. Same, same, same scenario as the guy that you no, know, they're willing to suffer 
just to be accepted. You know that analogy with eating the croissant on, on, on a fruit bride and you, you, you kind of back over from IBS pains afterwards, but you don't want to say anything because you, you, like, you like uh, Jill and, and Joe, you know, and to be a part of that uh, Sunday, Sunday ride group, you know. Yeah. And what, what's the, the saying? It's like, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time around or 10 people you spend the most time around or something like that. And I think as I've just gotten older, not that I'm old, I'm in my thirties, but like I've definitely realized that that is true. Like when I spend a lot of time with people that aren't really going anywhere in life or they're just, maybe just living in the moment and that's it. Like I kind of start thinking like, oh, that would be cool to live that way. No, like that's, that's not how I want to live my life because it's unfulfilling. Then when I spend time around people that have values and work hard, and then I see they have like a positive family life. Like those are things that I want to achieve and strive for. And I spend a lot of time trying to get that. I'm definitely not perfect. I'm way far from accomplishing these things, but like that, like just being in that environment really pushes me to wanting to be like those people, like having a positive role model and spending time with them is extremely important. Um, I, I do, um, around the people I value in my life. Seldom do I actually talk um, in their presence. Sometimes when we're on the phone, because I, I, I don't socialize at all. I, I literally have a, a relationship with my sister who lives 12, 14 kilometers away from me. We, I, I, I speak to her every day, but by her phone, which may be a good thing, maybe a bad thing, but it's made us lazy. In the past, we would get in a car or somehow get, get there. Um, to to have a relationship, I I literally don't. I mean, like when I go to my local gun gun shop, uh, maybe I interact with people there. I go to the store, you know, the grocery store, but I'm I don't. Um, and I'm happy. I'm not unhappy because. The one thing about modern society, there is so much to learn. Space, physics, um, idea of extraterrestrials, um, my head was so, I spend a lot of my time watching information. And I find that very cathartic. It, it's, 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 it's my way of, it's almost my reward at the end of the day. I don't, I don't crave to be in another person's company. Um, don't, I don't, I used to, which is quite, it's quite strange. I mean, I used to go to a, a, a restaurant almost every single night. I'd go and have a meal there. Sometimes just sit in my room, just to be around people. And I no longer need that. I find my own company far more better. Give my, my thoughts and think. That's why I ride alone, is because do my best thinking on my rides. I mean, I used to miss, miss the six, seven, eight hour rides to come up with so many incredible thoughts and creative. And um, personally, I, 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 um, I need people, but not to the extent that I have to. When I do, I do. It's, it's intense and I really absorb it. I get it. 
Yeah. No, I, I definitely get that. Like the other day, I think it was Sunday, I ran with a friend and it was super fun. We had a good time, just talked a lot about stuff and caught up. I hadn't seen him in a long time and, and it was great. And then the next day I went and ran by myself and it was like what you were saying. I just had like all this time to think and I had a bunch of ideas about work and I wasn't necessarily trying to even think about work. They just kind of, kind of come to you. And so for me personally, I find that a good balance of spending time with people than alone time works well for me because like, I do enjoy my alone time like you do as well, for sure. And I can go a few days without really seeing anybody and be totally okay. But then I also love spending time with good people. And I think, at least for me personally, I think it's quality over quantity. Like going to like, say like a trade show or like, even like a gun show, like you're talking about earlier or a, a running event or something. It's like, yeah, it's fun for a moment, but like after a while, it's like, it's exhausting for me. And I know a lot of people really thrive in those environments, but for me personally, it's like I get kind of like my cup filled up of, uh, of socializing and then I'm, I'm done. You like take a break for a few days and, and other people aren't like that. And that's totally okay. But I think everybody is unique, but we also need to value like, the things that we think about and like what goes on in our heads than the things that we um, like discuss with other people and who we discuss those ideas with. I've got, I've got three, three um, close people in my life and they're actually funny enough all in the States. And, um, and the one, the one, the one gentleman I, when we, when we speak, we have conversations of three hours. We have our phone conversations. Um, they, intense today. Um, they're not frivolous by any means. Um, and I'm very grateful to have them in, 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 in my life. It's not that I'm, it's not that I don't value people in my life. I, I, I truly, it's like, it's, I can almost like, I love them so much that I get to, no, seriously. Um, but 90% of the time, I'm completely on the case. I'm a very strange person. I live in a very strange, really, I, I don't make it up. I, 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 I will have a set of shoes, my cycling shoes in the center of my little apartment. I can move them where they can out the way, but for a week, they will stay in the center of the apartment. And I, I can literally move them, but I, I leave them there. And I don't know why I do that. The only thing I'm pr precise about is, is obviously with, when it comes to handguns. That's, that's precision. That is, that is disciplined precision. But I will do, I have weird things. I, I've just, uh, weird. So even I think it's weird. And I don't have a reason for it. I guess we're all strange in our own ways, right? <laughs> That's true. I definitely have weird little habits that I do. And I'm like, why do I do that? I don't really notice until somebody calls me out on it. And I'm like, I do do that. And that is kind of odd, but <laughs> I don't know. We're just all funny people. Yeah. Humans are interested. Well, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. We, we should probably wrap it up here. I got to go for a run, actually. Yeah. It's... Go for it. I'm going to go and watch some YouTube and just chill out and then yeah, see if I can get on a bike tomorrow. See if the, the ass, the shilty is on tune flame. I'm going to oh, yeah. sit there with ice on my backside. That's what I do in, in the evenings. I watch YouTube with ice. Bastard on my tockers on my, in my crap. I've got these compression <laughs> pipes. I shove, I shove it in between the set of holes. It's, 
pushes hard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this does not sound super enjoyable, but uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's become routine. Uh, I have to share it with somebody because it's like easy. <laughs> it sounds pretty funny, honestly. You're comical to watch. <laughs> <laughs> At least make somebody laugh. Please, I need. Yeah. To... Use your pain to make other people's lives better by comedy. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, but listen, if you had a letter, and I really um, thanks so much for 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 listening to my my banter. And uh, uh, look, uh, oh, let's let's there's lots to talk about. Trust me, there's lots to talk about. Keep it going. And I love your photography and where you stay and. Please God, one day, um, my journey, my journey through this life brings me stateside and, and it'll be for a long, long duration. Yeah, definitely. It'd be great to have you over here and then vice versa as well. Like, I'd love to go run at Cape Town sometime, like Ultra Trail Cape Town oh, this last yeah. weekend. Cape Town's and... easy. It's, it's easy to do. And look, I mean, so for me, so I wouldn't live anywhere but Cape Town, South Africa. Cape Town is, in itself, should be a little, a little country, the uh, Western Cape. Um, but um, yeah, like America for me is near and dear, near and dear. Yeah, well, come on over, man. We got we got plenty of room for you. Um, uh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little, little, little like space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was good to catch up, and um, we'll have to we'll talk soon, and maybe Sunday we actually go for a ride together. It'd be fun. Uh, listen, peace, God. He's got from from your lips, the universe is here. You know. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll have some steak afterwards. <laughs> Take care, bro. Right. Yeah, Sean. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Bye. Bye.